Hello, this is Angela welcoming you to the 2337th edition of Enfield Talking Newspaper, date line 30th of March. Now readers, don't forget the clocks went forward last Sunday. The readers this week are Angela, Ali, Catherine, Denise with Dem on the controls. The editor and production distribution team has been done by Team A. Our title music is Country Rock Polka, composed by Pat Prilly, Fernand Bullion, Harry Brewer, and performed by Jean-Jacques Perry, and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading come from, Enfield, come from the Enfield Independent and the Enfield Dispatch, and are their copyright. Events and information has been collected by us from other sources and other publications. The lead story this week... Home base rented out land it didn't owe. Before the news, we have one or two special news items and notices. First, the sunrise and sunset times for the week beginning the 3rd of April are 0633 sunrise and 1935 sunset. We also have some special notices from Enfield. Here's a notice from Enfield Home Library Service. Did you know that Enfield has a home library service? service? This means that if mobility, disability or caring responsibilities make it difficult for you to visit the library, then we can bring the library to you and there's no charge. The home library is run in conjunction with the Royal Voluntary Service, who vet and manage our volunteers. You tell us the sort of thing you like to read and we will select the books for you and deliver them to your home once every four weeks. As well as ordinary print titles, we have audio books on CDs and large print titles. There are also a limited number in, available in different languages. Separately, the Enfield Home Library Service offers assistance with digital library content. So, we can help you get to grips with borrowing e-books or audiobooks from the library to read or listen to on a phone or a tablet. For more information or to see how to, or to see if you can sign up for this service, email enfield.hls at royalvoluntaryservice.org.uk or you can call Shauna T. Van on 07826-511-024. And here is our second notice from Enfield Vision. Enfield Vision say we are a group of visually impaired people determined to improve the environment and to reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are registered with the Charity Commission as an organisation with the specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield. We hold a drop-in morning on the third Thursday in each month from 10am to 1pm at Park Avenue Resource Centre, Bushill Park, Enfield. Our exercise classes are running again. Woo! So, here are the dates for the next few months. Now, please note that all the dates are on a Thursday. So, here we go. Thursday, the 20th of April, 2023. 
Thursday, the 18th of May, 2023. Thursday, the 15th of June, 2023. Thursday, the 20th of July, 2023. Thursday, the 17th of August, 2023. Thursday, the 21st of September, 2023. Thursday, the 19th of October, 2023. And Thursday, the 16th of November, 2023. For further information, please contact us on this telephone number, 0208-373-6260. That's 0208-373-6260. Or you can email information at enfieldvision.org.uk. And now Ali will read the first item of local news. Tree surgeon sues chain for £135,000 losses. A tree surgeon is suing National DIY Chain Home Base, claiming it wrongly sublet land it did not own to him. Eugene Lebedenko claims he was kicked off the land in Enfield by the true owner and he lost tens of thousands of pounds in a trespass case. But Homebase insists the agent Mr Lebedenko went through was not authorised to act act on its behalf and that it cannot be pursued for money since it declared itself insolvent in 2018. Mr Lebedenko of Highgate is suing Homebase and property agent Access Point for alleged losses totalling £135,000. Mr Lebedenko claims his firm, Tree Work Solutions, signed an agreement with Access Point in May 2015 to use land outside the since-closed home base New Southgate store in Station Road, Enfield. Access Point said in its defence statement, filed in March 2022, that it acted at all material times as the agent of and upon the instruction of home base. Home base instructed Access Point Limited to provide a licence, it claims. But Homebase says the opposite. Homebase also argued that TreeWork Solutions cannot legally pursue it due to an insolvency process called a Company Voluntary Agreement, CVA, which took place in 2018. In court on Wednesday, Homebase's barrister, James Shaw, asked District Judge Sarah Beecham to strike out the case on that basis. Mr Myers, for TreeWork Solutions, countered that Mr Shaw's interpretation of the law was absurd. He said his client had first notified Homebase of its intention to sue in 2016, yet Homebase appeared not to have notified the firm of the subsequent CVA. How could we possibly comply with definitions set out within the CVA when we had no knowledge of it, he asked. He saw Mr Shaw's interpretation of insolvency law would allow an unscrupulous debtor to conduct a CVA, conceal it from a creditor and use that get-out of paying them. Mr Myers added that Homebase had failed to turn over key documents about the CVA, which he found highly suspicious. A decision on the strikeout application is due after Easter. Car-sharing demand has increased. New research from Money Barn has analysed car-sharing Google searches from the last four years 
to reveal how much the demand for car sharing has increased across the UK. The capital of London has the biggest demand for car sharing, with car sharing searches increasing by 44.2% in the last year. This is by far the largest search increase within the study, beating England, Scotland and Wales for the biggest search demand. It is perhaps no surprise that London citizens are looking for alternative ways of transport due to the high levels of congestion and reliance on public transport within the city. Northern Ireland saw the second biggest increase in car-sharing searches, increasing by 25.6% in the last 12 months. Despite the demand for car-sharing decreasing slightly in the last three years, searches increased to a whopping 507 each month in 2020. This is most likely due to lockdown restrictions causing a strain on public transport and affecting key workers being able to get to work during this time. England saw the third biggest increase in car sharing searches in the last year, increasing by 22.3%, with 11,733 monthly car sharing searches last year. England has seen a three-year increase of almost 5%. With the cost-of-living crisis affecting the price of petrol, it is no surprise that English citizens have been looking for alternative ways to cut these costs down, making car-sharing a perfect option for many. And here's a few uh, little potted summary of further findings. So the first one. Over the course of five years, the number of licensed private cars in the United Kingdom has risen by 4.6% overall, with 1.16 million more cars on the road. The second piece. The South East is officially the car ownership capital of the UK, with 623 licensed private cars per 1,000 driving residents. The third point. The UK saw a 56.1% increase in car rental searches last year, averaging 247,000 searches per month. And finally, car finance searches in the UK have also increased by 5% in the past three years, highlighting the growing concerns over the economy for car owners. About a recent fire in South Tottenham. A child and two adults were led to safety by firefighters wearing breathing apparatus during a blaze in a communal staircase. Six fire engines and around 40 firefighters tackled the fire. In a building of shops and flats in West Green Road, South Tottenham, at around 12pm last week on Wednesday, March the 15th. Around 13 people evacuated the building as well as neighbouring property before firefighters arrived. Two adults and a child were led to safety via an internal staircase by firefighters wearing breathing apparatus. One woman was treated at the scene by London Ambulance Service crews for smoke inhalation. The London Fire Brigade was called at 11.51am and the fire was under control by 2.49pm. 
Part of the flat roof of a communal staircase was damaged by the fire, which is believed to have been caused by hot works. Crews from Tottenham, Stoke Newington, Walthamstow, Islington and Southgate fire stations attended the scene. Here's a lovely story about two brothers. Two brothers have described their sadness after returning to the former site of a family-owned Enfield garage demolished to make way for flats. Phil and Chris Jowett, this week, recreated a photo they took outside Old Oak Garage in Windmill Hill in 1953. The brothers, now aged 72 and 75 respectively, lived at 77 Windmill Hill next to the garage for most of their childhood. The Old Oak Motor Company was named for the old oak tree that used to stand outside and that was owned for some time by the brothers' great-uncle, Jack Ambrose. This, Chris and Phil said, meant they often had the run of the garage. The brothers said... Before 1955, there was an extensive orchard behind the garage with a network of rock-lined cinder paths winding through colourful flowers and a profusion of fruit trees. We remember, we remember many days sitting high up in the apple trees, scoffing as many apples as humanly possible. This was a wonderful environment to grow up in and it was a shame when, eventually, the demands of the garage led to the flattening of the very much-loved orchard for a lorry park. Now, not just the orchard, but also the garage that once stood in front of it has been demolished. The site has been earmarked for redevelopment plans for 49 flats, which have been submitted to Enfield Council. The brothers said, It is sad to see that the old Oak Motor Company has finally been demolished. It is very strange to see an empty space where so many memories are focused. The brothers both went to Chase Boys School and both got married in Enfield. Phil now lives in Essex and Chris lives in Hertfordshire, but they said they still had wonderful memories of the area. In recent years, Phil has fulfilled his ambitions to write an adventure story for young adults. The book, partially inspired by memories of the old oak garage, is set in the 1950s and is called Honk Tonk and Curly. It is available on Amazon with paperback edition priced at $6.99. The book can, be also, the book can also be purchased directly from Phil via email and his email address is philipjoe and that is the, word, the name Philip with the word J-O-W attached to it. Philip Joe at btinternet.com. Investigation continues. A sixth person has been arrested in connection with the murder of a man stabbed in the street. Police launched a murder investigation after Jordan Briscoe, 25, was knifed in Arnold Road, Tottenham, earlier this month. Officers have now arrested a 20-year-old man in Keithley, near Bradford in Yorkshire, on suspicion of murder and robbery. Three people have previously been charged as part of the murder investigation. Jeho Allen, 32, of no fixed address, was charged with murder and robbery on March the 16th. A 17-year-old boy was charged on March the 9th with murder and robbery. Carl Black, 42, of Cassiabury Road, Walthamstow, was charged on March the 10th with conspiracy to murder and conspiracy to rob.
All three will appear next in custody at the Old Bailey on May the 29th. Two other people have been arrested as part of this investigation. An 18-year-old man was arrested on suspicion of murder on May the 5th. He was bailed pending further inquiries to a date in early April. A 35-year-old woman was arrested on March the 9th on suspicion of conspiracy to commit murder. She was taken to an East London police station and was subsequently bailed to return on a date in mid-April pending further inquiries. And here's another article to do with cars. More expensive to fuel a car than to charge it. New research has revealed that petrol prices have fallen by 8.6% in the UK, but it is still 190% more expensive to power your car with petrol than electricity. The motoring experts at Drive Electric compared petrol prices in 2021 and 2022 by the litre and by the cost to fill up the average tank to reveal that petrol prices have fallen by 8.6%. The United Kingdom has seen stern increases in its petrol prices, but this has been incredibly inconsistent. Petrol prices were at around 1.78 pence per litre, or rather it cost an average of £22.56p to fuel a petrol car per 100 miles in 2021. However, in 2022, that figure has seen a slight decline to £1.63 per litre, or £20.63 on average per 100 miles. This means, on average, it costs around £81.02p to fill your car's petrol tank, as opposed to the £88.61 in 2021. That shows the 8.6% decrease from 2021 to 2022. Likewise, where the United Kingdom has seen increases in petrol prices, electricity prices have increased too though to a seemingly lesser extent. In 2021, electricity cost 23 pence per kilowatt hour, or on average, £5.78 per 100 miles, which rose to 28 pence per kilowatt hour, or an average of £7.10 per 100 miles in 2022, for a total increase of 22.9%. The study then compared the cost of running your car on petrol and electricity. With the petrol price increases, the United Kingdom has seen in 2022, filling your car's fuel tank costs on average £81.02. Despite the electricity price increases, fully charging an electric car's battery would cost an average of £16.78. To normalise these figures, it costs on average £20.63p per 100 miles to fuel a petrol car and an average of £7.10p per 100 miles to charge an electric vehicle. That's a big difference. This means there is a 190 plus percent price difference between these two averages, 
indicating that it would be cheaper to run an electric car in the UK. Globally, the UK ranked 30th for the highest price differences between fuel and electric cars, with Hong Kong taking top, top spot. And then just a couple of snippets of in information that's of interest. Estonia has seen the price of charging an EV increase by 146%. Out of all the countries looked at, Saudi Arabia is the cheapest place to fill your tank with petrol, unsurprisingly. And Chile saw the largest petrol price increase in the world with a 21% price increase. And now we have a letter from a reader regarding antisocial behaviour. They write, We look forward to seeing more details of how the government's antisocial behaviour action plan will work in practice. For example, how the ban on nitrous oxide will be enforced and what support there will be for council trading standards teams. Councils are committed to working with their partners and communities to prevent antisocial behaviour and protect residents from offenders who can make the lives of people they target a misery. With much of the plan enforcement focused, councils will always take a balanced and proportionate approach to using the tools at their disposal to tackle crime and antisocial behaviour. However, where ASB tools and powers are used, this often requires a policing or community safety officer presence to enforce the restrictions. And so it is vital government ensures this and all measures in the plan are adequately resourced. Name and address supplied. And now here is a report from Councillor Jazz Athwal, London Council's Executive Member for Community Safety and Violence Against Women and Girls. The headline is Change is Needed. The Casey report is bleak and it sets out in black and white the Metropolitan Police Service failings that unfortunately will resonate with too many Londoners' experiences of the Met. It highlights the, concerns, it highlights the concerning experiences of women, young people and people from ethnic minorities in particular. A city as diverse as London needs a police force which reflects the communities it serves and a police service in which all Londoners feel that they will be treated fairly by irrespective of their gender, ethnicity, religion, sexuality or any other characteristic which is part of your identity. The swift and decisive action that Sir Mark Rowley has taken to cut out the rot within the service he took since, since he took office in the autumn, it must continue at this pace. And local borough leaders met Sir Mark to discuss the impact of the case report on the Metropolitan Police's turnaround plan. London leaders have a unique insight into the range of issues facing local communities and we stand ready to work with the Met as it implements the significant changes needed to rebuild trust and confidence amongst London's most diverse communities. With the Easter, Easter school holidays nearly here, HM Revenue and Customs, or HMRC, is reminding families not to miss out on government help to pay for childcare. Tax-free childcare can pay for any approved childcare for children aged 11 or under, or 16 if the child has a disability. 
Working families, where each parent or carer earns up to £100,000, can use it, meaning for every £8 paid into an online account, they will receive an additional £2 from the government. Whether children go to to nursery, a childminder, attend breakfast, after school or holiday clubs, as well as out-of-school activities, tax-free childcare could be used. Opening a tax-free childcare account is quick and easy and can be done at any time of the year. Families who have not yet signed up should check their eligibility and apply online today. A tax-free childcare account can be opened online in just 20 minutes. Money can be deposited at any time to be used straight away or, or whenever it is needed. Unused money in the account can be withdrawn at any time. Go to gov.uk to register and get started. Families could be eligible for tax-free childcare if they have a child or children aged 11 or under. They stop being eligible on September the 1st after their 11th birthday. If their child has a disability, they can receive support until September the 1st after their 16th birthday. Also, if they earn or expect to earn at least the national minimum wage or living wage for 16 hours a week on average, each earn no more than £100,000 per annum, and they do not receive tax credits, universal credit or childcare vouchers. The government is offering help for households. Check gov.uk to find out what cost of living support, including help with childcare costs, families could be eligible for. And now we have a letter from Anthony Porter. I seem to have got all the road ones today. This one's called um, Road Safety Bishop. Christian churches ought to establish a Bishop of Road Safety, whose job it would be to look at life and death on our roads. He or she should become a Bishop of Road Danger Reduction. Road safety tends to emphasise pedestrians getting out of the way, whilst road danger reduction focuses on the behaviour of motorists and motorcyclists. The bishop would need to take up such themes as injustice, indifference and bereavement. Other challenges would include how we define the word accident in motoring terms. Then there is the difference between careless driving and dangerous driving, and how a killer driver can be labelled as having a good character, all terms entitling him or her to lesser punishments. The bishop could recommend that all vehicles, apart from those used in emergencies, should be fitted with speed limiters or governors, thereby greatly reducing the number of A&E cases, as well as deaths and injuries to animals. With the Christian church leaders now having practically exhausted the topics of gender and sexuality, they need to start exploring and overseeing the more important areas of modern life, notably how to create safer roads. And now we have some sporting news. Enfield Borough collected an important three points with a deserved 2-1 victory over Haringey-based Park View on Saturday. Fielding a much-changed lineup, manager Malik Yansana was able to enjoy victory in his first home game since taking charge at Borough last month. With eight changes to the side, beaten heavily by Sporting Bengal United last week, Enfield started confidently.
the energetic Kyle Finlater-Lynch picked the ball up inside his own half before a mazy run ended with Hussein Yildiz's long-range shot being held by Samuel Noabuko. Mario Stavrou saw a left-foot shot flash just wide of the far post as Enfield's forwards linked up well, while Oban Sunkwa created a great chance only to fire wide and Tariq Mahmoud's swerving shot cleared the crossbar. Enfield welcomed back Richard Enin after 13 months away, and midway through the first half he had the ball in the net after good build-up play by Finlater Lynch, only to be flagged offside. The duo linked up again soon after, but Enin blazed wide, and Borough then saw captain Jaden Anderson leave the pitch, with another returning favourite, Gideon Sarpong, taking the armband. They took the lead five minutes before the break, though, as Enin embarked on a strong run into the box, skipped past one defender and was tripped by a second. The referee had no option other than to award a penalty, which Enin dispatched with assurance. But substitute Kombe Kowimbe had to produce a vital goal-line clearance when Borough played themselves into trouble. Four minutes into first-half stoppage time, they doubled their lead when Finlater Lynch clipped the ball across the goal mouth and Enin stole in at the far post to tap home his second. Enin missed a great chance to complete his hat-trick after the restart when his shot beat Noabuko but went the wrong side of the post. The second half was less eventful as a raft of substitutions disrupted play with Enfield content to keep the opposition under control rather than trying to extend their advantage. The plan worked until stoppage time when Edgar Masoki's shot on the turn found the net and gave Enfield a jittery few minutes before the final whistle. Enfield Town boss Hale's important win. Enfield Town boss Andy Lease said it, it was important to beat Corinthian casuals at the weekend with their Ismian League Premier Division promotion rivals also having success. Kale de Costa put them in front after just eight minutes, with Jake Cass doubling the advantage around the half-hour mark. And Andre Coker sealed a 3-0 victory midway through the second half to keep town in fifth place, three points above Cray Wanderers. It was important to win, with everybody else around us winning, Lise told the club website. The result helped our goal difference, which will be important in a few weeks' time. Town made a strong start, with Sam Youngs moving back into a holding position and Mo Kamara and Lewis Tafe playing further forward. And they took their early lead when a poor clearance by homekeeper Callum Coulter was seized upon by Kamara, whose curling effort came back off the woodwork for De Costa to convert. Simba Kudewa sent a rare casuals attempt into the side netting as Town continued to dominate and Tave had a shot that cleared off the line. Visitors had a let-off when Joe Hazley put in a great, chase, a great chance wide before Cass was brought down by Calder and stepped up to fire home from the spot from his, for his 15th goal of the season. John Ville-René went a close third when bending a shot just over, 
while Nathan McDonald palmed a back header from James Richmond away for a corner and Sean McCoy fired wide for the casuals. Town continued to pose for most Town continued to pose most of a threat after the restart as Da Costa dragged a shot wide after more of a good play by Cass. Substitute Coca and Cass had further chances to extend the lead before a third go finally arrived. A pass by Cass Lewis Knight sorry, a pass by Lewis Knight was collected by Coca, who dummied his marker and swapped passes with Cass before drinking the ball before dinking the ball. <laughs> sorry, before dinking the ball over Coutier. <laughs> and Knight made a fine block late out to help preserve the clean sheet ahead of a trip improving Hearn Bay on Saturday and a visit from leaders Hornchurch on Tuesday, March 28th. That's all from me for the football. Big weekend for Enfield Ignatians members. It proved a momentous weekend for Enfield Ignatians with Hadi and Farhad Fayez gaining further international caps after representing Cyprus in a 41-24 defeat against Malta at the Hibernian Stadium Paola. Closer to home, former first-team hooker Ben Mills gained a blue after being part of the Cambridge University team, which defeated Oxford in the, at Twickenham. A strong Malta outfit claimed a four-try salvo for a 22-0 lead to leave Cyprus with a mountain to climb in their European Conference 1 showdown. Rampant Malta continued to crank up the pressure after the break and extended their lead to 34 points before Cyprus saw Corey Paraskeva, Ben Yarrow and Kai Phillips cross. Malta's strong set-piece led to a seventh try, but Cyprus had the final say as another moment of fluidity enabled Stilianu Pantelis to breach the line. Hadi Fayaz, deployed on both wings, worked tirelessly in full shift over 80 minutes against tough and mobile opponents, while younger brother Farhad was introduced for a 20-minute spell after the break as a replacement prop. It's a shame we allowed Malta such a big start and gave ourselves a mountain to climb. However, it was a great experience, said Hadi. The energy we showed in the second half was much better and we won this part of the game 24-19, having at last decided to play. They were a physical side, but the pace in our back line, once we got going, was our strongest weapon. The Cypriot squad are a great bunch of lads and to play at this level is always a challenge I relish. We go again against Bulgaria in May. The results saw Malta move top of the group above unbeaten Bulgaria, who have a game in hand, with Cyprus dropping to third in a table completed by Israel and Slovenia, with a home game against Bulgaria in May to come. Mills, meanwhile, enjoyed his proudest rugby moment in the victorious Cambridge University side, which eclipsed Oxford 15-10 in a tense varsity match. The former Hertfordshire County youth player was introduced in the 68th minute and the replacement hooker was part of a sturdy defensive effort which kept Oxford at bay in a tense encounter. Cambridge captain Ben Gompels told the RFU press office, It was a hell of a battle from the get-go. I'm proud of the way in which the boys stuck at it, especially the front five. Ignatian's second 15 
added to their win against Old Grammarians by defeating Cuffley 25-20 at Donkey Lane. And now we have some movie reviews by Jason Palmer, who says... Um, It's finally 2023, and that means yet another bumper year packed full of blockbuster movies. It might be the awards season currently, but there's plenty of big releases on the horizon too, promising even more cinematic gold to get excited about. Let's preview a few of the big hitters heading to theatres in the coming weeks. And the first is called Babylon um, by Paramount Movies. After delivering box office magic with the likes of La La Land, Whiplash and First Man, writer-director Damien Chazelle upscales his big-screen vision once again with Babylon, a gloriously excessive ode to classic Hollywood. Think of an 18-rated The Artist with a dash of Mulholland Drive thrown in and you have an idea of what to expect here depicting all the glitz, glamour, debauchery and decadence of the era, the story follows various characters as they carve their own paths to stardom. The sensational Margot Robbie shines as Nellie Leroy, a wild child actress looking to make it big in Tinseltown. Brad Pitt is on the other side of the coin as Jack Conrad, an established box office superstar who must adjust with ever-changing times. When he hires Manny Torres, Diego Calva, to be his assistant, the three navigate the magical and dangerous world of Los Angeles, a vibrant and sometimes nefarious beast that will swallow up anyone indiscriminately. An amazing ensemble, including Gene Smart, Olivia Wilde and Jovan Adepo, help propel this into a must-see territory. Then there's something with a quite a dark photo, and I think it's going to be quite a dark movie. It's called Megan, but the E has been reversed by the number three, so it's kind of M3gan Megan, and it's by Universal Pictures. And he says, We've seen a lot of psycho toys run rampage across the big screen in the past, so Megan doesn't break new ground in that respect. But what it does do is deliver a compelling and very entertaining horror that will get the crowd going. After taking in her recently orphaned niece, Gemma, Alison Williams, struggles to help Katie, Violet McGraw, deal with her inner trauma. Fortunately, she just happens to be building a brand new high-tech children's toy called Megan, or Model 3 Generative Android, Megan. On an AI doll that learns from whomever is synced up with. Soon, Katie becomes emotionally dependent on Megan as the doll grows ever more protective of her pal. So protective, in fact, that when challenges present themselves, Megan has no qualms about taking deadly action to protect that bond. It doesn't reinvent the wheel, But this is an enjoyable ride, all the same, with plenty of horror sequel potential too. And the third and final, What's Love Got To Do With It? by Studio Canal. 
Jemima Khan spent many a year living in Pakistan while married to cricket legend Imran Khan, and she draws from that experience to pen this by-the-numbers romantic comedy directed by Shekhar Kapoor. Lily James plays Zoe, a documentary filmmaker who decides to film her friend's upcoming arranged marriage. Hoping that she can hear him... Hoping that she can hear him is none, none other than Clem Fandango himself, Shazad Latif. The Toast of London and Star Trek Discovery star is perfectly cast alongside Lily James as Kazim, her next-door neighbour and childhood friend. Reluctant at first, he and his family agree to the film as Zoe documents the whole process of a South Asian-assisted marriage. It will surprise you to learn that things don't go to plan. How will the ridiculously attractive Zoe and the dashingly handsome Zakim possibly handle such a scenario? With a decent ensemble including a scene-stealing Emma Thompson, Shabana Azmi and Asim Chowdhury, this is predictable but enjoyable fare. And now we have a Royal Free Radio item from the N21 magazine. We hope you've enjoyed reading about Royal Free Radio over the last year and we thank Beach Media Publications for allowing us to let you know what goes on behind the scenes. As they say at the end of all good news programmes, here are the main points again. We started broadcasting as Radio Enfield in May 1970 and rebranded in 2017 as Royal Free Radio, having extended to the Royal Free in Hampstead. We broadcast 24-7 to Chase Farm, North Middlesex and the Royal Free from our Chase Farm studios, operated entirely by a team of volunteers. There is a nightly request programme for patients at 8pm Sunday to Friday. Requests can be sent in via our request collectors who visit the wards on our website royalfreeradio.co.uk or by calling 0208 363 6000 and normal call charges apply. We always read out every request and normally manage to find the exact choice in our record library And if we can't, we always manage to find another similar record. There is a completely free choice. Pop, jazz, country, classical, soul, comedy. The more obscure the choice, more of a challenge gives us to find it. Patients can tune in on the Hospedia Channel 1 at the Royal Free, on TV Channel 800 at Chase Farm, the default channel when you turn the TV on, or Channel Zero at North Mid. The programmes can also be heard via our website, royalfreeradio.co.uk. Click on Listen Live. On most listening devices and on the free Wi-Fi service available at all Royal Free London hospitals, there is no charge to patients to listen in, whichever way they choose. There is a special programme aimed at people with dementia, The Sundown Sessions, broadcast on weekdays at 4pm, made in association with the Dementia Lead at the Royal Free. 
Full programme details of this and all other programmes are on our website. We often invite guests in from all walks of life and other organisations across North London, usually in our midweek, mid-afternoon show on Tuesdays at 1pm. If you would like to find out about volunteering at Royal Free Radio, either collecting requests from the wards as a studio helper or even possibly presenting programmes, check out our website for more information. Note that hospital regulations require DBS checking to be carried out. Royal Free Radio is proud to be part of the Royal Free Charity and also supports the North Mid Charity. No one likes to spend any time in hospital. It can be quite daunting, worrying and lonely experience and we hope Royal Free Radio helps make that time more bearable. A Suitable Partner by Dave Robson In my life coaching practice, I am sometimes asked, what do I have to do to sustain a loving relationship, especially a marriage that actually lasts? It might seem blindingly obvious and at the risk of sounding somewhat Victorian, in my opinion, a great relationship starts with finding a suitable partner. I say that because I'm amazed at how many people get married to someone who is patently unsuitable. Here is an extreme but real-life example. I once met a woman who was, in her youth, a professional ballet dancer. During the course of her work, she met a Russian man who was also a ballet dancer, and after a short time they fell in love and got married. Then the problems began, for he couldn't speak English and she couldn't speak Russian. Even more problematical, he didn't want to live in England and she didn't want to live in Russia. He wanted children as soon as possible and she wanted to wait until later on after experiencing some career fulfilment. Now, I ask you, how was that possibly going to work? Well, of course it didn't. And within two months, they were initiating divorce proceedings. They were obviously not a suitable match for each other. The only thing they had in common was a steamy passion, and that alone was not enough. But how easily do we go astray when driven by youthful hormones? There is another essential precondition, and that is the ability of each partner to love the other unconditionally, meaning you accept your proposed partner exactly as they are, warts and all, without requiring them to change anything about their true selves. That does not mean your partner has free license to behave outrageously or unconsciously. They might need to shape up and get their act together on some level so they bring something of value to the party. Here's another example of a woman who met someone and they fell madly in love, but she could not cope with him being a drug addict. The fact that she couldn't accept that and he seemed unwilling and unable to get help and change his ways made them unsuitable for each other, despite being deeply in love. Eventually, she realised that there was more pain than happiness in the relationship, and she ended it. She learned a valuable lesson for some time later when she began another relationship with another man who turned out to be an alcoholic. She ended the relationship at once, saying, I don't want this in my life. Clearly, this pair was not suited to to a happily ever after scenario either. The growth of her emotional maturity was fascinating to watch. 
For when she did eventually meet a man whom she could accept unconditionally, she said words to the effect of, he's a lovely chap, but a bit boring. There was something about the edginess of her previous relationships that had attracted her, but now she was sufficiently perceptive to see that and break the destructive pattern. The good news is that as their relationship developed and as they began to see some of each other's hidden depths, they fell more and more deeply in love. Of course, nothing is ever guaranteed in life, but this way they both realised they had a far better chance of developing an enduring relationship. A certain maturity is required for everyone has annoying foibles and both parties must be able to focus on the bigger picture, i.e. that their love for each other is the most important thing. So if you are looking for love and you meet someone, be honest and inquire of yourself. Can I accept this person exactly as they are, hook, line and stinker, or should that be sinker? So... Go to Dave's new website, www.daverobson.com, to find out more about his books, The Five Big Pillars of Happiness, How to Be a Popular Crew, and The Amorous Adventures of Big Ben. For Dave and his meditation online group, please email him at info at daverobson.com or call 01772 505 495. That's 01722505495. Wildlife Friendly Gardens. We've noticed in recent times an increasing number of clients requesting wildlife friendly gardens. We all want to do our bit for the environment and climate change, and we can make a difference by the way we use our outdoor spaces, even if limited to containers and pots. It's important first to get to know your garden and to assess the soil, orientation, moisture levels and the space generally. It is easier to work with the existing conditions than fight nature and far more sustainable. Get your soil into good condition by digging over compacted soil, mulching and going peat-free. Start composting if you have space. Also start conserving water and install water butts to utilise excessive rainfall and cope with periods of drought. Create a miniature wildlife pond. Even a bowl of water will be valued by birds, many insects and reptiles. Consider replacing boundaries with living green barriers such as trees and hedges. They naturally capture pollution, reduce noise, mitigate flooding and provide food and shelter to wildlife. Then consider the planting and choose the right plant for the right place. There are wildlife-friendly plants for sun and shade and areas in between. Some weeds are particularly loved by bees and other pollinators, so consider leaving a wilder area where there is space. The Wildlife Trust recommends that gardeners establish nectar cafes of flowers with simple structures that are easier for insects to feed from. Consider the seasons and try and have food available throughout the year. For example, winter flowering plants such as Daphne and Mahonia, which also have a wonderful scent, and spring bulbs such as bluebells and crocus, and pulmonaria and symphytum for the spring. In the summer, Budlia is known as the butterfly bush for good reason, and there are many perennials and annuals which will provide pollen. 
Persicaria and sedums are covered with bees and insects at the end of the summer. It will also help to stop using pesticides. A squirt of washing up liquid will often resolve the problem and to limit the use of slug pellets by swapping them for beer traps. You will soon have a haven for wildlife. Happy gardening! And now we've got something which is entirely unrehearsed and nobody here knows I'm going to do it, but it's going to involve a little bit of audience or reader participation. And if you're listening and you don't want the answer revealed straight away, we're going to do a little quiz, but it's kind of a quiz with interesting snippets in it. So that's why I've picked it for today and something a little bit more lighthearted. Um, okay, and it's 10 questions. So if you don't want to know the answer straight away, just press pause and then you can listen to the answer. So I'm going to open this open to the floor. Here we go. This is a really interesting one. I bet you know it. Who wrote and sang the theme song for the TV show One Foot in the Grave? The, the Victor Meldrew show. It's it surprised me as well. Have a guess. Oh, oh, Dem on the controls thinks he knows. Angus Deaton. Not Angus Deaton, it is Eric Idle. Oh. Eric Idle. Hmm. Okay, first person to shout out wins a sweetie prize. Which of William Shakespeare's plays opens with the line, Two households, both alike in dignity? Romeo and Juliet. Yes, you win the sweetie prize, I'll give you it after. Oh, press pause. I'll just head out quick. Sorry for that pause. We had a very exciting moment when all the lights went out, but they're back on now. So on to question three. Which of the three musketeers shares his name with a fragrance by Esther Lauder? Oh, very good. Man's fragrance over there by Dem on the controls. (laughs) Number four, what special power does the only female member of the Fantastic Four have? Wish I had this one. No? She can make herself and other people invisible. That would be a really good power to have. I'd love to have that. Imagine all the conversations you'd hear in government, for example. (laughs) If you weren't there to read all those messages. Number five. Which pop group launched Channel 5 in 1997 with a reworked version of the song 54321? 1997 pop group. Really surprising they launched Channel 5. Um, Give us a clue. Um, You'd have to tell them what you want. The Spice Girls. (laughs) The Spice Girls. Good God, that long ago. Number six. The six of the Ten Commandments, you've got to be careful here now, be careful what you say, says that you shall not commit what? Murder. Oh, good one. I thought you were going to say something spicy and racy there. Murder. (laughs) And I have to ask, ask, why do you know that one? (laughs) No, don't tell me. I don't want to know. You'll be incriminating. (laughs) She's a good churchgoer. That's what I thought. Number seven. In which seven-a-side sport did Prince William represent the Scottish National Universities team in a Celtic Nations tournament against Wales and Ireland in 2004? Uh, if I tell you... Oh, 
It's not a land sport. Rowing. No. It's logical, logical. Water You're polo. in the water polo. There we go. Got it, got it. Process of elimination. Number eight. Now, someone in this room, at least one person should know the answer to this. What time is the clock set to on a box of after eight minutes? Eight o'clock. No. Five past. Five past. Well Boom, done. Shakalaka. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, come my on. goodness. As a I person who eats the them for a living. <laughs> I deserve a round of applause You do. That. And another yeah. sweetie prize. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, in case you're listening, uh, uh, the sweetie prize is just a tasty cranberry sugar-free mouth-watering sweet. So um, What you wanted was chocolate, right? I wanted chocolate, yeah. <laughs> and the reason why I know the answer for the after eight is because as a child I used to stare at the box that my mother used to oh, have. Oh, and you remembered. That's yeah. really clever. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm not sure about this one. Number nine, but <laughs> anyway, for the, for the listeners out there, at the World Match Play Championship in 1984, okay. who achieved the first ever televised nine-dart finish? Name any dart player. Wilson. <laughs> any other dart player that you've ever Eric heard of. John Lowe is the answer. I'll put you out of your misery. I have no idea who John no Lowe is. No clue. And the final one. Which former soap star released the album Ten Good Reasons, which was the UK's biggest selling album of 1989? And if you think about what was popular in 1989... Jason Donovan. Jason Donovan. We got there. Well done. Nicely, nicely. That was fun. It was. Well, now we have some more movie reviews. And first up, we have Cocaine Bear by Universal. The start of every year tends to bring with it a movie destined for cult status. Cocaine Bear is that film. A frankly bizarre true story about a £500 black bear who eats some cocaine and goes on a killing rampage. There's more to it than that, of course, but you get the general idea. Set in a Georgia forest, the bear attracts the attention of not only the rangers tasked with capturing it, but some helpless tourists, of course, and local teenagers. Not to mention the group of criminals searching for their missing stash of coke. Elizabeth Banks directs this comedy thriller that features some amazing acting talent, including Kerry Russell, Margot Martindale, O'Shea Jackson... Junior, Matthew Rhys, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. and, in his last on-screen role, the late, great Ray Liotta. Next up is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania by Disney. If you're a Marvel fan, you'll know that after Avengers Endgame, we've had little to really get excited about. Last year's Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, reminded audiences that there's still plenty of brilliant and vibrant storytelling to come. So this third Ant-Man movie promises to set Marvel fully back on track with another high-stakes blockbuster. Having been introduced in the low-key Disney Plus TV series, Kang the Conqueror, Jonathan Majors, has now arrived in the MCU and promises a shake-up of the universe, unless Scott Lang, the ageless Paul Rudd, and Hope Van Dyne, Evangeline Lilly, along with Hank Pym, Michael Douglas, and Janet Van Dyne, Michelle Pfeiffer, 
can save the day. Even Scott's daughter Cassie, Catherine Newton, is up for the fight. Expect this to be another Marvel masterpiece of epic proportions. And now we have Plain by Lionsgate. When the start of the year blues hit, there's something that always helps ease the pain. A brand new action blockbuster. Imaginatively titled Plain, this story follows a plane ride from hell. When he's forced to take on board a prisoner onto his commercial flight, pilot Gerard Butler's day is about to get a whole lot worse. Not only that, but when the flight goes through a tropical storm, it has to make an emergency landing in a war zone. Can he keep his passengers alive and escape? And can his new convict passenger, Luke Cage star Mike Coulter, actually help him out? Plane is brash, bold and a whole lot of fun. It's a big action film that is exactly what we need to start the year off on the front foot. Full of gunfights, explosions and plenty of carnage, this is one plane that has arrived on time to banish our January blues for good. And finally, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish by Universal. Screen icon Antonio Banderas returns to one of his best roles ever as the voice of the enigmatic Puss in Boots. This movie finds our hero forced to take stock of his life. His adventurous escapades have meant that he has burnt through eight of his nine lives. So he begins a quest for the last wish, something that could replenish his nine lives. Along for the ride is Kitty Softpaws, the delectable Salma Hayek, bringing together an accomplished vocal ensemble including Florence Pugh, Olivia Coleman, Ray Winston, Harvey Goulen and Divine, Joy Randolph. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, shows that great animation is truly back with a bang in cinemas. It all looks incredible on screen too. We have reached the end of our programme for this week. Thank you so much for listening. So, from the team of Angela, Ali, Catherine, Denise and Dem. Goodbye. Goodbye. Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. Don't forget, you can call Diane de Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with Enfield Talking Newspaper on 087998545582. That's 078995845582. Uh, just to remind you that we will not be recording for the next week because of Easter and we will be with you again in two weeks' time and we look forward to doing it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.